Good morning, everybody. Hello to everyone watching online with us today. And we got a doozy today. We have a doozy. We're in the Jesus Way series. Uh, I'm Pastor Brian, one of the teaching pastors here. It's great to be here in Layton. I had a couple of weeks off, so good luck. Good luck. Because whenever I've had a couple of weeks off, I just sometimes you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. But I'm going to try to make sure that it's biblical because I want to hear what God's word has to say on today's topic. We're in this Jesus Way series. We're in week number four of the series. And what we've been doing, if you have your Bibles or a Bible app, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. It's the section in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount where he's preaching about these, what we call these six antitheses of Jesus. I know that's a fancy name. That just means these, these six times at the beginning, toward the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount where he said, you've heard one thing, but I'm going to tell you something else. And again, I want to make sure that you understand, Jesus is not contradicting God's word. Jesus loves God, God's word. In fact, just before he says all this stuff, he says, I want you to know that not a single, not a single jot or tittle in God's word will pass away. In other words, not, a, not one dotted I or one cross T will pass away. He says God's, God's law is good, it's, it's right. The problem isn't what is written. The problem is how it had been interpreted, right? So when Jesus said, you've heard these things on the left, he says, you've heard that the law says, but I tell you this other thing on the right, this is what we've been doing in this series, He's, again, he's not, he's not saying that what the law says is wrong. What he's saying is that what you've heard was wrong. That the interpretation you've got, you've been handed down from your, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the interpretation was wrong. And isn't that true? Isn't it easy to kind of, li- there's some, and it's not, by the way, it's not just the teacher's fault. Can I just say that? It's not always just the, te- so don't judge me. It's not always the teacher's fault. It's the fact that we, that, that teachers tend to, teach what tickling ears, what itching ears want to hear. Don't go to a church that preaches stuff that just is easy to hear. Don't, don't get caught up in a church, because there's a lot of churches like that right now, and there's only going to be more and more of them, where they don't uphold God's word. You know, we say our very first value as a church is that we look to God and his word in all that we do. Today's sermon is an example of that, because I don't really want to preach today's sermon, because some of you aren't going to like it. I don't, I don't, I'm not really, this is not something that, this is like not my favorite sermon to preach, but we all need to hear it because it's truth. And sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth is less comfortable than, than the, the lie or the spin that we want to believe or that we want to put on it. So, so one of the reasons that False teaching is so popular even today in the progressive movement in the church, this, this movement that just is, is basically taking a low view of Scripture, is, is demoting Scripture. And what we do then is we promote, in order to demote Scripture, we promote our perspective, we promote our feelings, we promote what we want. And so what happens is because people are wired like this, there are always going to be teachers who are going to teach what we want to hear because those teachers are going to get more followers. And so in this, this is nothing new, even though the scale is bigger now. It's nothing new. And so what, what's happening here is Jesus said, you've heard what the law says over here, but, but I'll, or you've heard what the interpretation of the law is over here, but I'm going to tell you the heart of the, the law. I want to tell you 
the point behind it all along because nothing in the Old Testament's wrong, but we can certainly interpret it in a way that's not God-honoring and that was never intended by God in the first place. Okay, so that's what we're talking about in this whole series. So we talked about the fact that, you know, the law said some stuff about murder, and Jesus says, look, the, really the heart of it is to be reconciled. Murder, mur- the, the, the thing behind murder is anger, and we all have anger problems, right? So if you, if just because you're not a murderer doesn't mean you're off the hook. So he's trying to get us to get to this new level, this radically new ethic and so he's, we've learned so far about being reconciled and being pure, radically pure. And then last week we talked about being a truth teller. We took him out of order a little bit. And then so today, because Pastor John really wanted me to do this sermon today. So that's why we, I'm just kidding. We, we just, it was because of Mother's Day and we didn't want to preach on divorce on Mother's Day. We felt, we felt like maybe that wasn't the right topic for Mother's Day. So that's why we did all this. So today we're actually covering number, we're in week four, but we're covering lesson three in the lesson. And we're going to, so we're going to talk today about divorce and marriage. And the title today is Saving Your Marriage. And I want I got to start with a, with a story. When Tracy and I were about ready to get engaged, I remember I, I went to my dad. I said, dad, I, I think this is it. I think this is the one. I want to, I want to, I want to marry this, this girl. And, you know, I just wanted, I love my dad and I, I wanted to let him know and make sure he had an opportunity before I went to Tracy's scary dad to ask for her hand in marriage. And by the way, when I did that, he was, when I said, I'd like to marry your daughter, he said, do what? I said, I'd like to marry your daughter. He said, do what? He said it to me three times before finally his, my mother-in-law broke in and said, Wayne, he wants to marry Tracy. Just let him, please. So anyway, that's how that went. But before all of that, I'd said to my dad, I want to get, I want to, I think she's the one. And dad, my dad was like, she's great. I love Tracy. I think that's wonderful. And he said, then he said this. He said, son, marriage is the hardest thing you're going to do in your life. And I said, thanks for the pep talk, dad. <laughs> um, and he was serious. He said, it's worth it. But it's the hardest thing you're going to do in your life. Now, I want to just, I want to say something as, as we get started on what Jesus has to say about marriage, because the passages you're going to see, the passage is going to be about divorce. It's about divorce and marriage, but we don't want to just talk about divorce today. We're going to cover that. We want to make sure to talk about marriage. We want to make sure young people, I want you to hear this, especially if you're not married yet, my prayer for you is that you would listen to what Jesus has to say about it and that, that your marriages would be as great as my marriage is. We were sitting at dinner with our daughter just the other day and, and we were talking about our marriage with our daughter. And I said, do you know anyone who has a better marriage than we do? Now, we were, we were honestly asking this because we were trying to kind of expose ourselves and and this is a good thing, by the way, couples to do. This is a good thing to be vulnerable with your kids and to let, show them that you're not defensive and that you're teachable and you're willing to learn. And as we had this conversation, we, part, one of the things that came out of the conversation is, is Kenzie, our, our goal, our hope is that your marriage someday, that your marriage is like our marriage, is even better than our marriage. We want you to have a blessed, awesome marriage. And I, I can say my dad was wrong. 
I can't say that a lot, but my dad was wrong. Marriage was not the hardest thing I've ever done. We have, we have, my wife and I have had a blessed marriage, and at the very outset, when we're talking about divorce, I want, I want you to young people to hear this. Marriage is good. Marriage is from God. Marriage can be great. Marriage doesn't have to be horrible. Marriage can be better than the marriage that you saw in your home growing up. And I don't want to just say that to young people. I want to say that to old people, too, and people in between, like youngish, like me. I want to say that to you as well. Like, your mar- the marriage that you're in right now is ordained by God. God's for it. God wants it to do well. God wants it to be better next week than it was this week. This is what we need to understand about marriage. But there are many people, and I've, known this in, I've seen this in over 20 years of ministry, there are many people who are looking for an excuse to get out of their marriage. There are a lot of people that are looking for a loophole. They're looking for a reason to get out of their marriage and get a divorce. And they're Christians, and they want, they, want us, they want to be blessed by God, but they also don't want to be in the situation that they're in right now. Now, if you're here today and you've experienced divorce, either because of your parents or because of your own story, your own life, I, want to, I, I, pray, that you don't, I pray that you don't listen to this message with your, with your dukes up. I pray that you're not defensive in this message. I don't want to, I don't want to speak judgment on anybody and so I know that divorce has touched a lot of lives in this room, but I, I want us to put that aside for a minute and just say, God, what does your word have to say? What Jesus, what do you have to say about marriage and divorce and remarriage and all that kind of stuff? And those, those are some of the things that we're going to touch on today. Our passage today, of all of the passages, if you look in your Bible in this section at the end of chap- Matthew chapter 5, it's actually of the six antitheses, it's the shortest one. And yet it's the one that I feel like we probably need the most on. But it's the shortest one. This is all Jesus has to say about it. Matthew 5, 31 and 32, he says this. You've heard the law that says, right, a man can divorce his wife by merely giving her a written notice of divorce. Which basically is saying, like, for just about any old reason, you can divorce your wife. That's the, that's the interpretation But I say, so here Jesus is pulling rank now on the interpreters of the law in Jesus' day. But I say that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman also commits adultery. Can we pray one more time before we get into this? Let's do it. Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what your spirit wants to say to us about this passage God, I pray that we would receive it with open arms. God, that we would internalize it. I pray for every marriage currently in this room. Lord God, that you would speak to us. I pray for every future marriage represented in this room. God, I pray that you would build into the foundation of our future families and marriages. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. A couple of years ago at the Riverdale campus, I was preaching a sermon afterward. A young couple came up to me and they said, hey, could we talk to you for a second in your office? And I, and I said, sure, we, didn't, we don't really have offices, but I'm like, sure. So I, I pretended like a room back there was an office of mine. That's what we do, we pretend. And so like, here's my office, go ahead and have it, pull up a chair. And, and I said, what's going on? And they're like, hey, we just, we love your sermon. We're new here today. It's our first, first time at Alpine. Um, we love your heart. We love your spirit. We, we want you to marry us. And I was like, huh, okay. It was kind of a, a little bit weird, like, like right out the gate, that was it, right? 
And they were both acting just a little bit antsy. They were acting just a little, little suspicious, right? So I, I just, I said, well, tell me, tell me your story. And they started telling their story about how they love each other. And they went to college together and went to youth group together and grew up in the same church and dated since they were in high school. And they're probably in their early to mid-20s. And they just telling this beautiful story about their relationship and how long it had been. And, and I'm like, well, that's, that sounds really great. Anything else? I said, well, yeah, then, then right at the end of college, um, we, we decided to take a break from each other, and we broke up. And we, 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 made, a really, we made a really bad mistake. We married other people. We broke up. I think it was a rash breakup. And then kind of on the rebound, we both ended up getting married to someone else. And I thought, huh, this, is an inter- this story has gotten very interesting now, hasn't it? And then they said, and we realized that we were wrong. And so we both divorced our spouses and we want to get married. Now, I want to, I want to just say, I want to confess to you that sometimes when couples come to me and want to get married, and this is for all of us on staff, this, is, this, is, this can be the most joyful time in in ministry, and it can also be the most stressful time in ministry because as a pastor, we have to make a decision about whether we're comfortable performing a, a wedding for somebody. And not every pastor draws the line exactly in the same place. We, we all draw the line roughly in the same place, but for all of us, every one of us, it's passages like these for sure that really make us, that, that inform us because we look to God and his word in everything that we do. So I'm not gonna just do any old wedding. I'm not going to perform any. I, I want to make sure that it's biblical. I want to make sure that God's hand of blessing is on that marriage. I feel like that's my job as a pastor. Pastor John feels the same way, to give you spiritual guidance and not to sort of rubber stamp something, right, that is not, that is not a proof, that is not, that goes against God's word. I want to, I want to make sure to be mindful of that. And, and so sometimes when I'm confronted with situations like this, Sometimes it's a real gray area, and I have to say, I, don't, I need to pray about this. I'm not really sure about this. Let me pray. And there are some situations where it's a gray area. This was not one of those. This was so black and white, so clear to me. It was in violation of the kind of stuff that Jesus is saying here. And I looked this young couple in the eye, and I pray that I pray that if my kids were ever in a situation like this, they would have a pastor who would do the same thing. I looked him in the eye and I said, you guys are wrong and you need to go back to your marriages. What you've done is wrong and does not please God. So my answer is no. But more than that, more than that, you guys need to turn, to, turn back to God's word and you need to, go, you need to repent and go back to your marriages. And I, I'll never forget the response of the husband. You could tell he was cut to the heart. He knew I was right. I think the Holy Spirit convicted his heart. He knew, I, even though he wanted to marry her, even though his heart was telling him one thing, because how many of you know your heart tells you one thing? But when God's word tells you something else, don't go with your heart. Don't follow your heart. Please don't follow your heart. Let God change your heart. And then follow your heart. But let God change your heart. 
And I could tell that God was working on him, and he immediately had a, had a, a mannerism of repentance, and he, he kind of slumped, and he was like, y- you're right. And he started saying, he said, you're right, but she just lit into me like I was a, the devil. How dare you? How dare you? You don't know us. How di- and she just started light, lighting into me and, and making me the bad guy, which, by the way, if you ever do that to somebody... You should look in the mirror for a second because that's a good sign that you're in the wrong. And I just, I just had, I said, I need to stop you right now. I said, look, I, I've got nothing. I don't know you two. I have no dog in the fight here. You guys want to know if, if a Bible-believing pastor would bless your marriage. And I want to tell you the answer is No. You can go down the street to churches that don't believe in the Bible. There are plenty of churches in town that don't believe in the Bible, that don't uphold the Bible, and I'm sure they'd be happy to do your wedding. But there's going to be other things that they would, the other weddings that they would also do that are not biblical. But you know that that's wrong. You want to have your cake and eat it too. You want to be able to go to a church like the church that you grew up in and the youth group that you grew up in and it's Bible-believing pastors that you've been surrounded by and I'm sure your parents are too and you want, you want me to rubber stamp something that God is not okay with. God is not okay with your divorce. God wants you to repent and go back to your marriages. They left the office, my office that day and um, I never saw them again. I honestly don't know how that story ended. But I know that that is such a representative story of our hearts. We want to follow our hearts. And as soon as, as soon as marriage gets uncomfortable, as soon as marriage gets hard, it's so tempting, it's so easy to say, I want to know where the out is. Where's the out? Now, I recognize that there are some biblical outs to, to, to marriage. And I, I, we're not going to really cover a lot of those today. You can find some stuff on PursueGod.org about that. But I want to I start by talking about what God's heart is for marriage. Marriage was God's idea in the first place. It's a good thing, and it's about more than just a piece of paper. So before we look at what he says about divorce, let's look at what he says about marriage. And it starts in the second chapter of the Bible, Genesis 2. The Lord God said after Adam was created, it says, It's not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him, and then she cre- he created Eve. And then later in verse 24, it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is a marriage verse. It's in the second chapter of the Bible. That's cool. God, God creates, he, he, he invents this institution of marriage at the very beginning, the very first husband and wife, Adam and Eve, and then he, he uses this, This phrase that Jesus is going to appeal to later, he says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. And he's talking about this this sacred, sacred union of marriage. And young people, old people, hear this. Marriage is sacred. It's not just, ah, this one didn't work, I'll throw it out, I'll try the next one. Oh, this one didn't work, I'll throw it out, I'll try the next one. That's what this young, that's the attitude that this young couple had. And that is not a biblical attitude to have. This is a very, very sacred and important thing, marriage is. It's not something to be taken lightly. It was God's idea. And that's why in Mark 10, 
Jesus said that Moses said a man can give his wife a written notice of divorce and send her away. But Jesus explains that like this. He says, he wrote this commandment only as a concession to your hard hearts. So the whole idea of of divorce was not God's original plan. It was a concession to sinful people. It was a concession to our hard hearts. And look at what Jesus does here. He, He appeals back to Genesis 2. He says, but God made the male and female from the beginning of creation. In other words, he appeals back to God's original intent, and that's why we wanted to start with God's original intent. God wants marriage to be blessed. God wants your marriage to be, to be a blessing to you and to your spouse and to your kids. This is God's original heart. This is his intention. This is his desire for every one of us. So therefore, Jesus is saying that divorce is not the easy way out. And if you've ever experienced it, you know that this next line is true. It creates a ripple effect that disrupts the whole family. So divorce should not be taken lightly. Matthew 5, let's go back to it now. I want to point something out in this passage. It kind of reminds me of week one in this series. Jesus says, a man who divorces his wife unless he's been unfaithful causes her to commit adultery. Isn't that interesting that he says it like that? Do you remember in week one we talked about anger and Jesus is talking about dealing with your anger problem? And then surprisingly what he said in that, in that passage is if you realize someone is angry with you, so what he does is he flips the thing on its head and he's talking about, when he's talking about your anger, anger problem, he's trying to get you to see anger from the vantage point of the other person. He's trying to get you to be empathetic and to see that someone else actually has a right to be angry at you. I love that, by the way. The Jesus way puts you last, not first. The Jesus way puts you last, not first. The Jesus way says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, then love your neighbor as yourself. So the Jesus way puts you last in If you're living like Jesus, you consider yourself last. And so look, when we read this, he says, look, a man who divorces his wife, unless she's been unfaithful, so there's a a potential clause for unfaithfulness in marriage. This this is one of the reasons divorce may be permitted in Jesus' book. But but the point for today is to say that if if a man divorces his wife, he causes her to commit adultery. He doesn't just say he commits adultery. What he's saying is, look, husbands, look at what you're doing to your wife if you divorce her. I want you to consider the impact on your wife when you divorce your wife. In fact, let's go back to a passage in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 2, and and we see even a little bit more in this. Malachi the prophet says, didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? In body and spirit you are his. And what does he want? Here's what he wants. Godly children from your union. Can I get an amen to that? That's what God wants from us. He wants godly children from our union. He wants our families to be strong and healthy and building blocks for society. And so what what Malachi says is, so guard your heart and remain loyal to her, to the wife of your youth. Remain loyal. Can I just say something to men? Men, please be loyal to your wives. Please don't don't seek your, we've seen it so many times even in the church, so many times in the church where, where men have not remained loyal. They've gotten sidetracked. They've gotten distracted. Men, please remain loyal to your wives, please. Young men, please remain loyal to your future wives. How do you do that? 
is consider that she's out there, and so act like she's out there. This is what I tell my 19-year-old son all the time. Be faithful to your wife even before you're married. Young people, be faithful to your wives even before you're married. You're going to be so glad you did. You're going to be so glad you did. And by the way, women, be faithful to your husbands. Because it used to be the guy cheated on the, the wife, but now it seems like this is an equal opportunity sin. Thanks to our culture. It seems like we see as much of the wives cheating and being unfaithful on hus- with husbands, on their husbands. And it breaks the heart of God. So guard your heart, men and women, young and old. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. And then he says this, for I hate divorce. You want to know what God's heart is toward divorce? He hates it. Now we should hate what God hates, so we should hate it too. And probably if you've been divorced, you might even say the same thing. You might say, I hate divorce as well. You have reason to. You recognize how destructive it is. It says, look, to divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. So guard your heart. There he says it again. So guard your heart. Do not be unfaithful to your wife. Isn't that interesting? Both in the New Testament and the Old Testament, when God's talking about divorce to a man, and remember, this is in a culture where men held all the cards. That might not be the case so much anymore, but men definitely held all the cards. And look at what God says. I love this for our women. I love this. You're being cruel to her, men, when you divorce your wife. That's God's heart. God cares about the wife in that situation. He doesn't want a husband to come in and to take this so lightly, which is what the Pharisees were saying is it's no big deal. Moses permitted it. It's no big deal. If you want to divorce your wife for whatever reason, you're bored with her, whatever, or she's not, she, does, she doesn't meet your needs or whatever it is, whatever you want. That was a very me-centered approach to religion, and this is what the Pharisees and teachers of the law were saying, and Jesus said, not so fast. To divorce your wife is to overwhelm her with cruelty. To divorce your wife is actually going to be destructive for her. But we, don't we all know it's, also, it's not just being destructive for her. It's, it's destruction for the whole family. It, it takes a toll on kids as well, doesn't it? So how selfish is it when we're, when we're entering into a marriage and we're just looking at it from our own perspective and as soon as we are not happy with something or are uncomfortable with something, we want an out. This is never God's intention. See, the Jesus way teaches us to be selfless and to fight for our marriages. I'm so grateful that my dad is still married to my mom. And they, they fought for the marriage. Now, their marriage isn't perfect. Far from it. They're, my dad's not a perfect husband. My mom's not a perfect wife. But they're still married together. And my mom's starting to experience some memory problems now. And my dad said to me recently, he said, this is what our vows were all about, for better or worse. And I'm ready for whatever it means. What a blessing to my mom that my dad has that perspective. I pray that we have more marriages like that in this next generation. People who just love each other and are committed to each other and actually take their vows seriously like we talked about last week. Like they let their yes be yes and their no be no. But you know what it's going to take? It's going to take selflessness. And Jesus himself modeled it, Ephesians 5. For husbands, this means to love your wives just as Christ loved the church 
And here's how he did it. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. So this is the model that we have, men. This is the model we have is Jesus. Jesus was sacrificial. Do you think Jesus wanted to go to the cross? No way. Do you think Jesus was like, I can't wait to die on the cross? This is going to be great. Jesus went to the cross out of love for his bride, and we're his bride, the church, we're his bride. And this is a model then, this isn't just a spiritual statement, this is a model then for our marriages. The best marriages are where two imperfect people come together and are willing to be selfless, are willing to put the other person first. And that's going to mean, sometimes, that's going to mean that you stick it out when you don't want to. And that's my prayer for, for your marriages. That's my prayer for my marriage. That's my prayer for my kids and their future marriages. I pray, that, I pray that my daughter finds a husband who will love her like Christ loved the church. Better than I love my wife. Because my, my love for my wife still has some selfishness built into it. I'll just be honest with you. And I pray that my son finds a wife someday who loves, who loves him in spite of him. <laughs> Just like my wife loves me in spite of me. Right? And I pray that I, we should all be praying that for our kids. That, that they look beyond our, our imperfect examples in the home. And they look to the example of Christ. And that my, my son would, would be able to sacrifice his life for his wife. That my son would sacrifice his wants his, his desires, his, his fleshly male desires, which we all have, that he would sacrifice those things and he would say, he would say, you're everything to me and, I, and, and I'll be faithful to you and I'm gonna guard my heart like Malachi said. And I pray that, I pray that not just for our, for our kids, but I pray that for us as well. And you're, if your marriage is struggling, I wanna encourage you, please, please get a mentor Talk with us afterward, after the service today. Pastor John would love to connect you to a marriage mentor who can walk with you and help you. Your, your marriages can make it through rough patches, and we want to help as a church. We've got lots of couples, imperfect couples, but who've made it and are making it, who can walk with you. They're not counselors. They can walk with you and help you through some of those ups and downs of marriage. But let's be faithful to our vows and let's honor God in it. And the only way we can do it is because Jesus did it for us and because Jesus went to the cross for us. And because of that, when we place our faith in Jesus Christ, then he puts his Holy Spirit in us. And that's the only hope that we ever have of being selfless is, is getting, getting ourselves out of the way and saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to move in me. And I want you to, I want you to put your desires in me. I want you to put your your fruit in me, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. What, these are all fruits of the Spirit that are so helpful for marriages. And it's to come to God and say, God, I need your help because without it, I, there's no way we're gonna make it through this marriage because marriage is, it's true, marriage is hard, but it's worth it. And it's something that God wants us to commit to. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that you would, I do wanna pray just over every marriage, every current marriage right now in this, represented in this room and, and watching on video, God, I, I pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen our marriages. I pray for the marriages that are struggling right now, God, that, that you would help 
those marriages, but also, God, that, that the church would be helpful, God, that we would connect them with some other mentoring couples who can walk with them. And God, I pray for our future marriages. I pray for the young people in here who are dating or maybe even not yet dating, maybe even the really young people in this room are listening to this message. God, I pray that you would give them a biblical conception of marriage. I pray that you would give them a vision for marriage that, can, that, can, that honors you and that will last a lifetime. And God, I pray for the future marriages represented in this room. And God, finally, I pray for anyone in here who's experiencing divorce or currently going through it. Lord, I, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to give comfort and peace because I, I know that, that sometimes divorce, just sometimes it's inevitable. And God, I know that's happened to a lot of people. I know there's a lot of hurt around that topic. And I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would, would mend hearts today. And God, that none of this from your word today would be taken with with judgment or condemnation, but God, that, that you would set us free to live in the freedom that you bought for us on the cross, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen.